everyone, and welcome to Wii Universe. This is the show where we are playing every single game in the Wii U catalog. We're slicing our way through it. We're, we're mangling its limbs and sending it <laughs> exactly. flying in a spray of blood. Uh, and just, uh, that, I've, I've got Wii U limbs scattered all around my apartment. It's always nice to see. Uh, my name is Steve Gunley. Hello, I'm Woody Siskowski. My AV cord is hanging out of my tummy. <laughs> it's... it's a problem. It happens. Yeah. It happens a lot. Uh, today we are talking about the game Ninja Gaiden 3, colon, Razor's Edge. We're just which... a couple of Ninja Gaidens hanging out, just as yeah. gui Gaidens do. Just talking just... Gaiden to Gaiden, <laughs> yeah, you know? Exactly. It's a Gaiden thing, you know? Yeah, exactly. yeah my favorite Jason Lee movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, exciting, exciting day. Uh, kind of the, the last in-person recording for us. Wow. Like, potentially for, for a while. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm... I'm I, I know. I feel like I've been hyping this move on this show for so long, but well, it's actually happening this. I week. mean, it is very significant in your life. It's a big it's change. Perhaps the one of the most significant things one can do in sure. one's life. Yeah, no, it's is, a, it's a big deal. But you know, it, but it is actually happening this week. So like, it kind of bittersweet. Kind of bittersweet. You know, like uh, we've we've recorded remotely in the past and yeah. it's been fine like you know but there is something fun about kind of getting together and playing the game in person that I'm I'm definitely going to Yeah miss. I think we we build off the energy in both the playing of the game and um the talking about it in yeah. terms of like mm, getting a little more uniform in our experience cuz sometimes you know I'm at home and like depending on how my day has been going like I might not be in the right headspace for something. Yeah. But usually when I come over here, it's like, okay, we're both going to take the time to kind of, I don't know. I feel like it helps center us both in terms of like, this is what we're focusing on for the right. time Right. We could be a little bit more objective. Yeah. And I think a game like uh, this game today might benefit or suffer greatly depending on one's mood. Like, sure. I think this is a game that uh, I happen to just really be in the mood for. Yeah. So it's striking me at a right time. It's striking me with a ninja blade and then a couple of claws and then uh, I, I blow everybody up. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah but so. it's definitely one where if you want something that is like, I just want something super breezy that doesn't sort of put up a couple roadblocks, uh, yeah. this might not be the game for you at that time. No, maybe not. Yeah. But, uh, you know, especially coming into this episode, like... My only real understanding of Ninja Gaiden 3 coming into it was that this is the one that people don't like. I know. Me too. And and uh, that was not my experience with this and so far. You which... know, we, in the interest of full disclosure, we're a couple of Gaiden guys. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A couple of Ninja Boys. Yeah, yeah. And so we are both big fans of the Xbox Ninja Gaiden. I mean, the NES games are fun and I good. Love yeah, yeah love those them. are great. But uh, the Xbox One from 2004 is, I think, one of the all-time just action games that exist. Oh, absolutely. Um, still one of the best. Yeah, yeah, still very fun to play, very cool, looks great. Um, and then the second one, you've never played. No, no, I kind of tapped out after Ninja Gaiden. Weirdly, it's one of those things like... Uh, I like this so much, so I'm not going to, like, ruin its legacy by following mm, up on it. Like, okay. Because if anything less than this is going to feel like a disappointment. Yeah. So, like, unless I hear really strongly that it's better or as good, then I tend to, you know, and, drift and, a little bit. And that's fair. I don't think that that was quite the energy for Ninja Gaiden 2. Like, yeah. people are like, this is fun. Ninja Gaiden is still fun. But it, I think it did get a reputation as, like, it's a little less good. A little bit. And yeah. then I think maybe by the time 3 came out, people were just, it's a lot less good. I I, I don't know. It they was... might have been conflating some real-world drama <laughs> that was going on behind the scenes with this series. Like it, So there's there's a lot of stuff to cover with Ninja Gaiden 3. Yeah, I played 2 and beat it and liked it quite a bit, but yeah. I've not gone back to it the same way that I have the first one, a game I've probably beat, for it being a decently long game it's perhaps the game like up there with resident evil 4 that i've beaten the most times that's impressive that's yeah. a hard game yeah, yeah well i mean that's the advantage of you know beating it a few times it gets less hard yeah once well, you fair. get better at it that's fair yeah. uh so before we slice into the meat mm. of this episode uh what else are you playing right now well the game that i have been playing after um our softball team got utterly demolished yesterday was it um, by 10 it was by more than 10 oh no but we I'm did sorry. make some runs that's okay that's okay you know as it turns out a bunch of librarians many of who are over the age of 40 maybe don't stand 
many of whom have also never played softball, stand a questionable <laughs> chance against a team of 20 and 30-year-olds. But that's what just... makes it like a like a underdog story. Yeah, it's like, true. A, like a bunch of Rudies, you know? Yeah, it's, it's a, a bunch of Rudies. Where they, Rudies. It's a team of Rudies where they lose by 26. You should change your name um, to the Rudies. The Rudies, yeah. that's true. Um, so I was, I was looking to get some sporting revenge, so I um, looked through my Steam catalog to who knows what treasures await that I... You cross-referenced sporting plus revenge. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, the game that popped up was a game called Super Blood Hockey, I believe Super that is. I think blood that's what hockey. it's called, something like that. That's I know it involves hockey and blood. Okay. Um, and, you know, I can objectively say this game, pretty fun. Okay. I would describe it as pretty fun. Um. It's kind of it's an eight bit throwback thing. It kind of looks like those River City Ransom style of games with chonky characters. Yeah, and then it's like uh, Blades of Steel, like you're seeing from the side view. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the hockey mechanics are pretty satisfying. I mean, it really does play like pretty legit hockey. Like you can pass and shoot and sort of take dudes out and switch players. Mm-hmm. And the blood mechanics come if you punch guys enough, you'll start a fight. And you can, you know, take guys out of the play for a while or they will occasionally just die sure. if their brain damage gets too high. Um, yeah. So it, it has a dark sense of humor to it, which I'm only medium on. Like, it's kind of like a blitz the league type of thing where you can in, inject your players with different drugs and Got things it. like that. Um, but like I said, the hockey mechanics are solid and it's pretty satisfying and like. My, if if you are curious about this game and you want to do the franchise mode, my suggestion is to pick the USA team mm-hmm. because maybe the uh, foreign team names are hilarious to like people there, but like they just kind of sound like foreign names to me. Whereas the USA games are very funny. Like our uh, our striker is named like Whammy Spaghetti, and our <laughs> our our, uh, our total star player is Gary Gouda. Dogson so, Bug, or yeah. Doug, uh, what is it? D- Bobson Dugnut. Yeah, yeah, games yeah. Like Mu- that. Mucky Raisins. Yeah, all, all the, yeah. Sleeve McDyckel. It, yeah. it, so it's that's pretty fun. Um, so definitely a. Uh, Nice little pat on butt, pat to the butt for uh, Super Blood Hockey. I mean, I've said this on uh, past sports episodes, but like, I don't understand why after EA kind of became the dominant force in sports video games, that more developers didn't just go like the fuck it, let's just have like mutant league hockey. Like everything should be mutant league something. Make it really <laughs> gross. Make it really dumb. Have good like sports games fundamentals at the core of it, and then just make it ridiculous. It like, is really odd that more that there's not kind of um this is going to be a i get why like they can't compete on the simulation level with like full price games with like big in-depth rosters yeah but just do more retro throwbacks of different sports do like, stuff like that do do a and better tech mobile like i mean look uh, not better we know tech mobile is perfect but a newer tech mobile i'm deeply anti-football and tech mobile slaps i I will still play tech mobile today (laughs) like it plays great so uh yeah bring that back yep uh as for me i just rolled credits on cult of the lamb that's definitely Mm. like game of the year contender for me that game is so fun so charming a really nice balance of like challenging action and simulation and just lots of stuff to have it was it was very charming is I there liked it a lot. post-credits content like are you is there something that you makes do, you want to keep playing or you you, you do get to keep playing uh if you want to like max out your village and kind of like uh the, it's not too terribly difficult of a platinum trophy if you want to go for oh, that sure. like if you really want to stick with it but you can max out like your tarot card deck and get more boosts you can Build out your village so that everything's kind of permanent and unbreakable. You can try and make your cult as big as possible. I think mine, I ended it with like a 26-member cult or something okay. like that. How, but, I mean, historically, how big of a cult is that? That's a pretty like, small cult, yeah. like if you're talking about real-life cults, I think. That's like not really on a watch list. But, but in terms of like... Genuine eldritch powers and can like, you know, summon tentacles from the ground. And they're so, like full of woodland critters. So like, I feel like critters. that gives them a little star to the forehead. Yeah. So I enjoyed Cult of the Lamb a great deal. Definitely check that out. Uh, I have just started really digging into Deathloop. Uh, mm-hmm. This is a game from uh, for PS5 from Arcane Software. They're the people who made Dishonored and Prey. Okay. Uh, the former I never quite got into, but I was really big on Prey. I liked that game a lot. I got so confused by Prey because there was an Xbox 360 game. Called called prey. Yeah, that, and did these have anything to do with each other? I am still unclear because that's what I thought the new prey was. I thought it's like because I knew that 360 game that you're talking about was like a, an adaptation of a PC series that had been oh, popular. Weird. 
And I don't know if this is part of the same universe. I know I've played both of those games, and this one doesn't feel anything like that okay. one. But I, mean, I did it like it's a more, good title. It's a good title. Right. Yeah, it's a good title. It's a fun game, like a big empty, like a, uh, just this huge space station to explore. You can like spacewalk and like look for corpses, and there's all these terrifying monsters, and some they mimic like things in the environment. Mm. Like Prey is great. Um, Deathloop, so far, I'm still a little perplexed by what this game is going to be. It, the premise it, is like a ground, like a happy death day, Groundhog Day. Style, it is kind of right? that, yeah. You you are uh, two like hitmen, uh, yeah. So you 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 could play as either like the guy or the girl, and sure. the girl story is like more of an online thing, and the guy's story is more of a single player okay. thing. But they have been trying to kill each other, and they've been succeeding in killing each other oh, in this so endless it, so loop an over and over. Sever. Kind of an X versus Sever. <laughs> But now, like, there's been sort of a reset, and the guy doesn't remember why they were fighting, and so they've got kind of maybe a chance to build some kind of... Oh, so it becomes a Mrs. and Mi- Mr. and Mrs. Smith. It becomes a Mr. and Mrs. Smith. It's also about he, he... They keep telling him that he's trying to break the loop, and people don't seem okay. to want him to break the loop, so... I don't totally know what's happening, and I'm not. I don't really have a good feel for what kind of game this is. If it's kind of like a roguelike, I will say I really dig the aesthetics of it. It feels kind of like it takes place in the Dishonored universe, and the, the Dishonored is a game. Again, I like the setting that they've created. It's kind of like a fantasy world slash sci-fi slash steampunk slash 1910s kind of thing. This feels like an extension of that, but now we're into the 1960s, so everything's like mod and Fine. like there's like these cool trippy James so it Bond themes. Uh, spy uh, spy in harm's way. Yeah, yeah, kind of spy versus spy sort of thing. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's a exactly. it's a lot of that. So it's there's a lot so going it's, on. It's your typical X versus Sever to Mrs. Mr. and Mrs. Smith to spy versus spy evolution. The typical that we've thing. seen yeah, so much before. So bad. The road to stardom they call yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'm I'm intrigued by what this game has to offer. I don't totally know if i get what it's doing yet, from a from but i've only been playing for like 20 minutes a very like core stand it's it's a first person shooter right it is a first yeah, person okay. shooter and it, I, that element of it feels really great uh the ps5 controller is just spectacular for first person shooters because you have that pressure sensitive trigger uh that has kind of like multiple layers of pressure on it that feels like a really oh, satisfying Ko- click to uh, it kojima's dream of actually using effective <laughs> pressure sensitive buttons has come true i get, get I ready think, for his next game to be all totally built around pressure sensitive buttons i, I think i just yeah. read that kojima has filed a uh, marriage license to the <laughs> ps5 controller like they're getting married they're gonna have a ceremony soon uh apparently he also has a podcast coming out pretty soon I'm, which i'm uh, interested to hear i don't know if how that's gonna I work because i don't think he's a native english speaker oh, uh, interesting. I, I don't i mean like you can have i think that well, people who speak you other learn, languages have podcasts it, well it's okay but it's true but i mean I, I believe this is a podcast for the american market so like i think his english must have gotten much better or something but like sure there there is going to be a podcast uh and hopefully it's just him and mads mickelson like <laughs> eating food like sure. <laughs> they're like the weirdest like internet bros and uh, <laughs> I, I really like to see that uh, that friendship there yeah Anyway, that's what we're playing right now. All stuff. And the stuff other, the other thing we're playing slash just stop playing is uh, Ninja Gaiden Three: Razor's Edge for Absolutely. the Nintendo Wii U. Yeah. The subject of which is this podcast. Absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about Ninja Gaiden for those who have not. Uh, taken the plunge. So the first Ninja Gaiden debuted in arcades in 1988, and its iconic NES port debuted later that same year. And for what it's worth, like the arcade game and the NES game, like not really the same game. Not right? really even the though same the game. NES game is the one people remember. The arcade one is really more of a beat 'em up. Yeah, um, and it's not like yeah, yeah, it's it's very different. Like yeah, the NES game is more of a story based single player action game. Yeah, and that's it's better for it. Yeah. like Ninja Gaiden Arcade is fun, yeah. but it's a very different beast. And the NES game, famous for being hard as balls. Yeah, and it definitely is. Um, one of the, probably the hardest game I've ever beaten. And did you beat it on the NES? I beat it on the NES. That that is truly an amazing accomplishment. It is an accomplishment. The, the last. Can- level of that game is like a very hard level it is very very and then hard. you have to go fight the boss like the boss at the end of the level who if he beats you you start over at the beginning of the level yes you sure do and that <laughs> really insane. sucks uh but i set a goal and i kept to it and i also beat ninja gaiden 2 and 3 and uh i i feel very proud those of that are all fun games also uh mega man 1 through 6 those are my two like flexes because yeah. i don't really play a lot of super hard games like that but i've beaten every Mega Man and every ninja gaiden nice and i'm very proud of that yep 
but yeah, that NES game rules. It's pretty noteworthy, uh, not only for its difficulty, but because it was one of the first home console games to use cutscenes to tell its story. So that kind of gave it a little bit more of an edge, a razor's edge, <laughs> you might say, over the competition. Uh, and there were a lot of ninja games around this time. Like there's yeah. like Shadow of the Ninja. Like ninjas were a thing in the 80s. So there were uh, surf ninjas. Surf ninjas. I also, have American you ever ninjas. seen the movie Surf Ninjas? Starring oh boy, have Let, I seen the movie Surf that Ninjas. That movie is pretty fun. It's... <laughs> That movie Holy is shit. about Rob Schneider gets a magic game gear yes. and can tell the future. To fight Cyborg Leslie Nielsen. Yeah. Uh, it is utterly bizarre. There's very little surfing in that movie, <laughs> that's weirdly. That's true. Uh, that, that, that's the movie that was designed by early 90s SEO. Of like, what totally. do kids like? What do extre- They like things that are extreme and surfing and ninjas and game gears. There's kind of like a little... And Leslie Nielsen. There's kind of like a little swath of like early 90s new line movies that kind of just have vanished completely, but you know them if you owned the VHS copy of Ninja Turtles 2 and watched it a million times because <laughs> sure. they had these ads running for all of them. So like uh, there's a movie called Step Kids that I think they changed uh, They changed the title of it. That was the prequel it. to Step Brothers, right? It was, yeah. Okay. yeah. And then there was Surf Ninjas and there was uh, Suburban Commando with okay. Hulk Hogan. So like all of these movies do not exist anymore. <laughs> like I think maybe literally. Like I don't think you can even download I, these I anymore. found, I, f- I rented a copy of Surf Ninjas at, okay. our, at our local store that no longer is in business. Okay. They didn't rent enough copies of Surf Ninjas. That was the problem. That was the problem. That's why the video market died. Yeah, not right, enough exactly. Surf Ninjas. The point is, this was a heyday for ninjas. It definitely was. Um, and I think that the original Ninja Gaiden is probably the game that ninjas felt the cool... Like, it really... That was a really cool game. And, yeah. like, the cutscenes really did a good job of that because they would find pretty cinematic angles even though everything was kind of you know, slowly scrolling pictures and just a text crawl. Yeah. Like, you would often see, like, Ryu Hayabusa, your main character, like, from the back looking over dramatically. And a lot of the other ninja games just didn't feel like they had the energy you were quite looking for. Not exactly. And I I think this game gets the difficulty right. Like, this is extremely hard, but it doesn't feel unfair in the way other really tough NES games like Battletoads do, like, where it feels like this is just actively unbeatable. I think the part that felt the most unfair about it is that enemies would respawn whenever you like went backwards and then came back, the enemy would be back. Yeah. And they would also do the bullshit thing where you always get knocked back a set distance. So there would be like a, you jump and the bat comes out and like whacks you and then it knocked you into a pit. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which could be unbelievably frustrating. Yeah. But yes, it was yeah. an achievably beatable game and not not total bullshit. No, no, not like your ghosts and goblins or anything yeah. like that. So, uh, yeah, this like I said, there was this original trilogy on the NES, but then there was kind of this long fallow period for the series. It sat out Super NES entirely except for the uh, trilogy, the remastered trilogy that came out on Super Nintendo. Yeah. It is, uh, and there wasn't really anything on the PlayStation 1 now, era either. D- is that because, like... I feel like Tecmo had a decent amount of games for the NES. And, like, I remember their games kind of crossing over. And then I felt like when they did more Super Nintendo stuff, it was a lot of, like, Romance of the Three Kingdoms type of things. Yeah, or, like, sports games or, like, yeah, some kind of... Yeah, yeah, they did a lot of, like, uh, weird imports kind of Was it just that they decided that ninjas were no longer profitable? Like... I'm wondering, like, because... There weren't a lot of ninja games on... I mean, there were, and the cultural moment was kind of passing too, you know, like if you think, yeah, we we were talking about that, but like, you know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was really huge, but by 1994 with the third Ninja Turtles movie, uh, which you just uh, had the fortune to watch. Yeah. um, Terrible, terrible movie. uh, The, the, that movie tanked really bad and it was like, uh, kind of the end of that genre. You know, now it's like, if you see a ninja in a movie, it's generally a parody of some kind. Yeah, like, totally. Don't think like doing serious. some goofy 80s throwback type of thing. So I think it might have just been like, well, and we were also shifting away from that style of action game a little bit as a culture. We were That's going true. more towards RPGs, fighting games, things like that. That's true. So there was just a little less room, and uh, I think the, the franchise kind of stagnated for a bit. Uh, but that is until uh, Tecmo decided to revive the brand for the Xbox with the help of Firebrand developer Tobunobu Itagaki. Uh, Itagaki was the head of Team Ninja, who is uh, the division of Tecmo that was responsible for the Dead or Alive fighting games. 
Uh, and of course, Dead or Alive, Extreme Beach Volleyball, of <laughs> course, because porn doesn't exist. Uh, the 3D reboot, which was originally an Xbox exclusive, debuted in 2004 to ecstatic reviews and huge sales. It is currently the second best-selling game on that entire system after Halo. Oh, like, wow. Or Halo 2, excuse Halo. me. Uh, so it sold more copies than the original Halo? sold more copies than the original Halo. Yeah. Wow. Isn't that crazy? I yeah, did not so it's know Halo this. 2, Ninja Gaiden, Halo 1. I believe that's okay. the rankings. Wow. Okay. So it did super well. Uh, and uh, it, yeah, so uh, the success of that game would kind of revive the franchise for a little bit. We it, got a DS game called Dragon Sword that I played. I really quite liked mm-hmm. that. We get the direct sequel Ninja Gaiden 2 on the Xbox 360 in 2008. Uh, but that would prove to be the last game that Itagaki worked on with Tecmo because they had a very contentious split uh, with a high-profile lawsuit from Itagaki claiming that uh, Tecmo still owed him back payments for oh. Dead or Alive 4. Okay. Things got pretty ugly, uh, and so uh, uh, Itagaki went off and formed his own studio called Valhalla Games, and if all of this sounds familiar, it's <laughs> because Valhalla Games' one and only game was Devil's Third for the Wii U, which we did cover in a past episode. Uh, I believe it is marked as greatest game of all time. That's right, uh, on both our lists. On both of our lists, Sorry, yeah. Mario Kart 8. It's not even ranked. It's just greatest game of all time. <laughs> that's right, yeah. that's right. It transcends systems. Yeah. It's just for all consoles, Devil's Third just comes pre-installed. Yeah. All right, so like I said, I kind of tapped out of the series after Ninja Gaiden Dragon Sword. I think that was the last like okay. main series entry that I played. Yep. That one's fun. It uses the touchscreen in some interesting ways to like decapitate enemies or draw symbols to do your ninpo and stuff like that. So kind of clever, kind of fun little DS yeah. game. I mean, it's um, definitely an impressive accomplishment with how technically advanced the xbox one was to be able to how can we replicate this on a ds yeah but you played two i played uh, so two. like what are your thoughts on two like what My, did that do right what did it why why did that one seem not stick in the culture as much i think that it was an example and this happens i'm not gonna i don't know if i can pull many examples off the top of my head but it was like they nailed it so hard on the first one yeah that i imagine people the development felt a little stuck in like sequels because the first one like really really good combat system this sort of in-depth story with lots of weird demons and um just very satisfying adventure and the second one's like okay how do we improve on this yeah so the second one had a few more weapons um combat still felt very smooth but not much different and um the main thing they did is it's a much gorier more violent game Mm -hmm. like enemies limbs get consistently ripped off um, that was the big thing i remember hearing about it was just being able to slice off limbs you know that's kind of cool initially um it's also kind of weirdly off-putting initially and when you're like man this is really a lot in yeah. terms of how how much enemies are getting sliced up but it doesn't make the game meaningfully better no and i think that it lost it didn't feel like as much of an adventure yeah. It felt like, all right, we've settled on this combat style and we're going to give you lots of enemies to fight with it and have at it. So it's kind of just the the eternal dilemma of just like, all right, we've got this unexpectedly successful thing. Should we risk our new Legion of fans by trying something different or do we risk stagnating by just kind of doing the same thing? And yeah, and I think that in the second game, you usually have a pretty good excuse to just get more of the same. Um, and you usually get off pretty positively and i think that's what happened in ninja gaiden 2 people liked it yeah um but usually by after that they had like released other versions of these like both of these ninja gaiden games had gotten sort of ported and reported and like just recently a couple years ago there was a maybe even this year a port for the switch of ninja gaiden sigma and sigma 2 which are sort of the it was very similar to like the Street Fighter 2 thing where they're like, okay, this is super turbo and this is super turbo deluxe. And you're like, wait a second. Like, Ultra just, mega turbo alpha. Just give us a new game here. You're diluting the brand and we're getting confused. Yeah. Because, um, all right, my understanding. So we we had a, our Ninja Gaiden got remade a couple of times. We had Ninja Gaiden, Ninja Gaiden Black, yep. which was also on the Xbox, which is just kind of more of a refinement slash expansion. Yeah, well, there were a couple like downloadable expansion packs for the first Ninja Gaiden. Mm-hmm. One of the first things I remember actually using my Xbox online to play were those sort of modes. And then Black just factored those into the main disc and add some mission modes. Right. We and, did do actually an episode on Ninja Gaiden Black mm-hmm. with a, a Patreon guest a long time ago, but I forget a lot of uh, what we talked about. And then about. there was um, 
Sigma, which I think was the PlayStation port of that game. Right. That was PlayStation 3, I think. Or yeah. Play- yeah, something Which like that. very weirdly, I think, took out the blood from those games. That's what it was. But- okay, I was conflating it because I remember hearing that like one of these Ninja Gaiden games removed the blood and people were like, well, why would you do that? And I thought it was this one we were playing today. And then I'm like, no, they did not remove it's definitely the blood. A weir- it's definitely a weird why would you do that thing. I mean, I don't think that like having blood is intrinsically better or worse, but I think that it fits the aesthetic of these games. Because these it's games the brand they established. are a little bit trashy. Yeah. Um, especially, like, in their way they portray women. Um, and it's, just in their, their silly, pulpy vibe. So it's not like, oh, if we take out the blood, this will be appropriate for all ages. You know what I mean? Because it's not. You're still it's not slicing limbs off and like yeah. ogling boobs and like being kind of. It's it's a crazy like action movie slash anime style mm-hmm. like over the top goofiness. Like I think the gore suits that well. Yeah. Like because if you're gonna go for it, like why pump the brakes? You know, like just go for it. And then they did the same thing with Ninja Gaiden Two. They gave that a later port uh, to the PlayStation because that actually started as uh, Xbox 360 exclusive. Right. They gave that a port to the PlayStation and removed the blood there. Um, and then Ninja Gaiden 3 came out. Right. Let's talk about yeah. Ninja Gaiden 3. Uh, specifically, we're talking about Ninja Gaiden 3 Razor's Edge. This was released November 18th, 2012. That is a launch game. So was, when, when did the first Ninja Gaiden 3 came out? Do you that know? came out... Uh, I've got that. I think that okay. came out uh, a year before this. Okay. But I'll double check. So the first Ninja Gaiden... Th- <laughs> for Ninja Gaiden 3, this is... The first is, Ninja Gaiden 3. The yeah. first third Ninja Gaiden, which actually is the sixth Ninja Gaiden... <laughs> Anyway. Yeah, this is very. It came out a year or two earlier on, I think, the PlayStation Three, and maybe the 360, and just frankly didn't get good, very, very good reviews. So here's like, some of the issues behind the scenes. Here, this was uh, uh, this was the first title in the rebooted series to be built fully without uh, Itagaki's participation. Okay, so he worked on two, and he quit during the production of that game. Got it. But he does still have his fingerprints kind of all over that one. This one he had nothing to do with. The new development team made some changes to the gameplay style. They toned down a lot of the violence, such as the limb removal, which they did uh, ramp back up again for this. Interesting. Okay. Uh, and uh, they uh, generally kind of made things easier and more streamlined, although the game does include this uh, steel-on-bone mode where you can slow down time to see your enemies get cut in half. So some mixed messages about <laughs> what they want to do with the violence there. I, I definitely... I think I played Ninja Gaiden 3 very briefly like when it was in a kiosk in a game store. And I remember it had a mechanism where like if you got enough kills, you could just press a button and then Ryu would just essentially kill everyone on the screen. Sure, yeah. And I'm like, this seems a little bit too much like you're handing it to me. A little lazy. I mean, critics really kind of turned on this game when it came out. I don't know if it was just the cultural moment or if this PS3 version is actually significantly worse than what we played here today. But... Uh, it was generally considered to be a big step down from the previous two. And this was kind of the one-two punch that seems to have killed the series. Yeah. After this, all we got was kind of a uh, a cell-shaded spin-off game that was called Yaiba. Uh, which Ninja Gaiden like Z, I think is what it was called. Some sort of cyborg ninja thing, Gray Fox style. And but- that... That has been that's included on Wikipedia's article of the worst games of all time. Wow. So somebody took the trouble to put that into that article. Uh, apparently, it's not very good. I so, think that can be a good extrapolation. Did you from play the, that one? I didn't play I that know, one. No. Yeah, I, I yeah. Would, it kind of went under the it, radar. The, I mean, that's the thing. It's like the energy after two was like, yeah, that was pretty fun, but I'm not feeling like this burning desire to play more Ninja Gaiden after this. Well, there's you, also a bit of a case of, like, the first game was so successful and it was very influential, and we yeah. got a ton of imitators. That's true. And it, this style of, like, the Ninja Ga- the style of action that Ninja Gaiden 2004 established is kind of the standard for this type of game now. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that maybe Devil May Cry was the original of yeah. that style, but Ninja Gaiden, I mean, does it, I think, much better I think so than too. most of the Devil May Cry games. Um, and, but now it's a pretty crowded genre, especially after like platinum games started releasing a lot of critically acclaimed games, like, uh, the, the whole Bayonetta series, Metal Gear um, Revengeance. Yep, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Mad world. Yeah. Stuff like that. And even, uh, near autonoma has pretty similar. similar it can. Vibes. So Razor's Edge, uh, so originally Ninja Gaiden 3 was only out for PS3 and 360, but Tecmo Koei decided to port the game to the upcoming Wii U, which would 
be one of the only games that they released for the system. I think they did the two Warriors games, which we still mm, need to talk okay. about. But um, yeah, that's that's about it for them. Uh, Nintendo published this game in the States, which means this is only the third M-rated game Nintendo's ever directly published. The first wow. was Eternal Darkness, and the second was Geist. So Geist. interesting. Yeah. Right, what a weird forgotten game. I, for some vi- reason I had it on my head that Geist never actually got released. But. No, no, I had I had that game for a long time. I don't think I ever actually played it. I just <laughs> had it sitting on my shelf for a long time and eventually I sold it. All I know about that is you can possess a bowl of dog food. Sure. And that sounds great to me. I think it sounds kind of like a first person shooter version of Ghost Trick. So I'm into it. Yeah. Uh, so the new port to the Wii U would include specific gamepad features, including touchscreen ninpo spells and decapitation, similar to what they would do on Dragon Sword for the DS. Uh, a lot of the gameplay elements were refined, so we got faster kunai climbing, which was a big uh, point of contention for... Yeah, you, like, stick your little hand daggers into the wall and then yeah, alternate, like alternate the triggers. To- yeah, and apparently if in the PS3 version, this was a very slow, arduous process, and now mm. it's just, like, zip, 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 yep. like you just go right up the hill. Uh, so there are, uh, it's easier to execute the steel on bone attacks. There's a lot of gameplay elements from part two that were absent from the first port that were brought back, such as like some of the special moves, like the flying sparrow, things like that that you were unlocking. Um, we also had some new features, including online co-op, uh, new characters, DLC challenge modes, Ryu's health and power were upgraded. There was improved AI and they got rid of quick time event cutscenes, which people mm. really hated. I think that was didn't you, uh, I think 2011 was the time when we collectively decided, okay, we're done with these. Yep. No more Resident Evil five. You're the last one that gets to do this. Knock it off. And you, you only get grandfathered in because it was your daddy that invented. This. Exactly. So. Yeah. Yeah. It went, it went really hard, really fast. And then we were all pretty over it. Uh, but yeah, while critical reception for this was still pretty mixed, it was pretty universally agreed that this is an improvement on what originally came out to the point that this version was actually ported back over to the PS3 and 360 and is now kind of like, this is the one you get. You right. Know, this okay. Is the, yeah. It's very similar to Metal Gear Solid 3. Yeah. Like a good game, but like one that you would not reach for now because you would just play the enhanced port subsistence. Exactly. Exactly. All right, well, story-wise, this plot uh, digs into some of the lore introduced in the original NES trilogy and brings back some obscure characters and famous oh, MacGuffins. So if you are really into Ninja Gaiden lore, if it, which, if you, like, we've played these games, we both like these games, yeah. I don't really know anything about the lore no. of this world. I well, don't care. Especially from the NES games. If you asked maybe, how many people on the street do you think... Somebody got it. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, people on the street. People on the street. Um, would you have to ask before you if you went up to someone and said hello can you name one character from an nes ninja gaiden game not named ryu <laughs> they would say that stupid fucking hawk that knocks you off a cliff all yeah, the time that's true obviously we'll call him johnny dangerously <laughs> hudson hawk um <laughs> that's a good i, I bet hawk. that there would what like five thousand people i don't think i can name one character from the NES Ninja No, Guidance. I don't know who the like, villain was. Like, I, I spent a lot of time to yeah. be, beat that game. I do not know the names of the characters. But uh, either way, at the opening, Ryu is contacted by the Japanese self-defense force to dispatch a terrorist cell that is trying to resurrect the deadly dragon ninja. Uh, so while squaring off with the group's leader, who is called the Regent of the Mask, who is who we were fighting when we uh, uh, stopped playing. Okay. Uh, he curses Ryu's right arm with the grip of murder, which means it's infused with the power of the dragon sword and it's condemning Ryu to a slow corruption. So now Ryu and his allies need to find and defeat the regent of the mask before he reawakens the dragon ninja. And they have to do it before Ryu is just completely absorbed by this curse that's okay. taking over his arm. And that might have been sort of the new mechanic that I remember is I am I think that that curse like powers up as you slice up dudes. Yes. And then you can use that for an all time super attack. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think it's like uh, it's like in Suicide Squad. The sword is absorbing the souls of the people it kills. It's exactly yeah. like Suicide. That's my Man. favorite line of dialogue from Suicide. The time, Squad. the time in our life when we encounter situation, we say, "Oh, that's just like Suicide Squad." If we had a dime every time that happened, I'm finding it very frustrating how much cultural tale that movie has because uh, it is genuinely bad. But like, I've, I was thinking recently, like. We're talking but 10 years the, the ago. The first suicide. We're talking one, the first yeah. suicide. I like the James Gunn one. Sure. Uh, the, the, I'm talking about the really terrible David Ayer one. The one that also weirdly like has more cultural tale. Like when you yeah. say the Suicide Squad movie, people know that you're talking about the shitty David Ayer one. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The that's James the problem. That was the more better. successful one. But yeah. But like, 
stuff. I, I think it, before that movie came out, if we were going to refer to this concept, we would call it a dirty dozen. And now oh, it's been yeah. subsumed. Now it's a suicide squad. You need to get some bad guys together. It's a suicide squad. Is that different than a Magnificent Seven? It's different from Magnificent Seven. I don't okay. think any of those guys are like villains. They might be roguish in okay. their in their approach. But uh, what about actually, a what about a Ridiculous Six? Uh, ridiculous Six is pretty close. Okay. Uh, it's a Secaucus Seven. It's pretty close. To that. It's an Eight Men Out. Okay, uh, it's got uh, it. how many other John Sayles movies can <laughs> I think of? <laughs> it's a Lone Star. So it's a Man with Guns. It's a Man with Guns. <laughs> Um, it's a real so Matt Wan. It's a, it's a real men who speak to goats. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, to listen to goats. John no Sales problem. did not direct that movie. He did not. I'm just throwing yeah. movies out there now. One of the all time great titles. To oh yeah, disappointing movies with, with all time great credits because it's uh, the goat gets an and credit in that poster. So Ooh. it's like George Clooney, Ewan McGregor, and goat. Nice. <laughs> like, that's pretty fun. That's pretty good. Anyway. Uh, Ninja Gaiden, in this game, he also teams up with Ayani and Kasumi, who you might know uh, as characters from the Dead or Alive fighting game You franchise. might know from the back of the box when it declares them the world's sexiest ninja. Yeah, all and right. Like, yeah. yeah, I'm into it. That's why I got my Wii U for some sexy ninjas. Yeah, I mean, so it should be mentioned that like the Dead or Alive fighting game franchise, if you're not familiar with it, is not so much renowned for its uh, expert fighting game no, engine so much. No, I think so that much. they were pretty good it's it's a good game, yeah. fighting game engine, but I think most people gravitated towards it because that is the jiggle physics game. That yeah. is the game that introduced uh, heaving, bouncing breasts to the video game yeah. landscape. Uh, and that continues here because Tecmo, hey, you, you do your thing. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, uh, I would say Ninja Gaiden 3, noticeably an easier game than the first one. Yeah, uh, but I haven't with... played two, but I, I, is two still kind of consummate <sighs> difficulty level as the first one? Um, I think so. I, I think that they these games peak in difficulty at weird times. They have okay. very like very hard parts in them, and then other parts you kind of cruise through. Like there's a boss at the end of um, level six in the first Ninja Gaiden who's okay. just infamously challenging. Yeah. And the very first level of the first Ninja Gaiden also infamously challenging. It's really hard. Just yeah. because you don't have very much of a move set yet, and the game just really throws you in. Mm -hmm. And with that said, I don't think that this game is easy. Like, I've played no, a no. ton of Ninja Gaiden, and, like, the, the first thing to know is, like, this game feels like Ninja Gaiden. I, I was kind of worried that, like, when I read those bad reviews, that it would be like, this game is sort of off the rails, and it loses what makes Ninja Gaiden special, and it's just not fun to play. And I'm that is not true. No, like, I was really pleasantly surprised. I was not super excited to play this one again because of the reviews, because of the reputation, and because I've just been sort of out of Ninja Gaiden for a while. Right. Uh, and it was very easy to fall back into it. Uh, very smooth. And maybe it's also helping that we've been playing a lot of Metal Gear games lately, but uh, this game just kind of gets to the point, which yeah. I sort of like. There's cutscenes in it, but they're very brief. Uh, you don't need a whole lot of explanation to know what you should be doing. <laughs> You're just supposed to be chopping off limbs and like flipping over people. Really, like, really fun start starting area here. Like you, these military terrorists have taken over this sort of this section of London, and uh, you jump it. You like start on this gargoyle Batman style, and you like glide in and yeah. just like land on a dude and slice him up. Gotta and love then the you're glide. Like, All right, you're you're in it. Yeah. Um, and the first boss that you fight is sort of this multi leg mech tank. Um, and you know, we, we died maybe five times on him. It felt like um, an achievement to beat him. Yeah. yeah. No, we have to, you had to keep dodging around him to attack his weak legs, but he's constantly like turning to keep you facing him with his big flamethrower yep. jets. But like, you've got this really nice evade move to like kind of dodge out of the way. And, and they signal it well enough. Like I was like, Oh, okay. He makes this little beep, beep, beep sound before he shoots a missile at you, like a truck backing up. Exactly. Um, yeah. it, it's Back very convenient for safety. Whenever you're going to launch missiles, be like beep, beep, beep. Yeah. Um, I appreciate and it. then he has this little electromagnetic field that signals a little bit too at the beginning. But it's a nice, like, it's got some cinematic flourishes here. Like, once you knock the armor off one of the legs, you'll go in for, like, a up-close, like, slicing the leg off move. And, and again, it doesn't overstay its welcome. It's, like, a, a very quick, uh, quick-time, tappy-tappy event, and uh, you move on with your day. And I think it's nicely forgiving in the sense that it was still a challenging boss, but, like, when you die, you you just restart in front of the boss. You You barely lose any gameplay time, which... To me, I think it's the right way to do it. Like, if yeah. you're going to have your game be challenging, um, have us throw us right back into the action because that's when I lose interest in a game. If I die and they're like, all right, now you're back five minutes that yeah. you have to do over. 
Um, I, I was a little bummed out, like when we got to the end of the first level and played against the boss again, fairly hard. Like he comes at you fast with his sort of fencing sword. He's mm-hmm. kind of like a kind of has like a dandy uh, vibe about him with like a uh, eyes wide shut sex mask. Yeah, on. yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, your health goes down fast, which I got no problem with. And I'm sure that, you know, we could have beat him had we spent a little more time memorizing his patterns. But I did feel like the load times between those deaths were about mm, 10 seconds longer than I wanted them to be. Yeah. Um, Which, I don't know, I've become more sensitive to load times. Like, I feel like that might be one of the tougher things that like makes games from this era to go back to, especially like if you're in the world of PlayStation Five, or which something. is basically load times are kind of becoming a thing of the past yeah. on that system. Like, yeah, I, I agree. It was a little bit sluggish. It wasn't like horribly distracting, although like exiting to the main menu and trying to reload from there is kind of an egregiously long load time. Yeah. But I, I didn't mind too much having a little bit of a wait between like a death. And coming back. Um, I mean, this is a pretty simple action game on its face. You have a uh, regular attack, a strong attack, a shuriken, and a jump. And you evade, and you block certain events by holding still, and you just find different variations of those tools yeah. to make it work. And, you you know, have different weapons you can select. Uh, you have different. You can upgrade and buy new moves to make your skill sets even more impressive. And that's been the same. Like All those mechanics have been the same since the original Ninja Gaiden, which yeah. at this point you know, is an eight-year-old game. Um, I think here they try to streamline them a little bit. Like When you just kind of hammer on the button, like you'll probably do pretty well. Mm-hmm. Like You did definitely get a better feeling of what does what, but I think Ryu just generally has more combos that flow easier, whereas the first game really does reward you for kind of knowing the combos and just sort of doing the doing the suplex drop over and over, which is what I do in the first totally. game. You knock people yeah. in the air and you just suplex them down on the ground. Yeah. Um, they also... I think there's really an effort to streamline mechanics here. Like, in the first and second game, you have an inventory. Um, Like, you spend a lot of time in that first game, like, running around solving relatively simple puzzles of just, like, you found something with a hawk-shaped inscription, and you have, like, a hawk-shaped inset in your inventory do you, what do you want to do like can you crack this code well let's see if i can eat both of them <laughs> exactly. I, I, I don't know maybe something will happen um but there's also like you carry health po- potions in yeah. those games as well that you can pause and um pull up in boss fights here there's no health potions there's no health potions you you regenerate health either by using your ninpo attacks or by uh getting a blood rage bonus for mm, like having okay. an uninterrupted combo that's when i noticed your health recharging and each time like this between sections this eagle will come to you and let you save the game and your health i think fills up there as well i think that is a a net net positive i always had a problem in the first and second games always felt really weird to just be in the midst of a fight and be like wait hold on let me pause and drink this potion yeah hold hold Uh, on fellas yeah yeah uh yeah that feels all pretty good like uh uh, i i like the implementation of the gamepad here like we have a button for your Nimpo if you want to activate your action button. You can also just press X and A at the same time if that's easier yeah. for you. So you're not like restricted to these. Uh, but yeah, it's interesting that they kind of got rid of the inventory system when we have a pretty good inventory management tool right mm, here at our disposal. That's a good point. You can still use it to switch weapons, but yeah. there's not a bunch of items. Yeah. The there's kind of a, a little feature where you press on the corner of the gamepad and it will show you where you need to be going by like literally just turning the camera to face where you need to go, which I thought was pretty intuitive. Yeah, it worked well. And again, another effort in like I, I, I have very vivid memories of wandering around in the aqueduct in the first Ninja Gaiden for, I think, three hours oh, trying God. to figure out where the hell I was supposed to go. Yeah. And then it was just a door I couldn't see because the camera angle. Yeah, um, yeah. Whereas yeah. this game doesn't seem like it would have that problem. No, um, it, it zooms you right in on where you need to go. If you need to go through a door, it'll highlight the door. Like So if you're not going to be lost for too long if you do get lost for any reason. With, uh, with that said, though, like, I mean, if this first level is any indication, like, the level design here is not 
interesting in in any way. No, like, this first one's just like what are we? we're in the streets of London, yeah. I think, right? I mean, and like it looks good. There's panic on the streets of London. There is, yeah, um, yeah. and you have to just run around and slash dudes. But it's kind of just a series of arenas created by a bunch of upside down cars. It looks the same after Manchester, like uh, win wins the pennant. Do they sure. win, do they win pennants? They have pennants. Uh, they have touchdowns. Okay, yeah, that's that's <laughs> the biggest thing. It's whoever wins the biggest touchdown gets to be the new Manchester United. <laughs> okay, got it. Yeah, that's the role. I'm gonna get killed by England <laughs> by angry soccer fans. All of England. They're gonna, is gonna going come to turn on flip me. over your U-Haul. Um, <laughs> no. Yeah, so they create um, these sort of makeshift arenas, and then you just kind of slash enough guys, and they're like, all right, you slash enough guys, you can go to the next area. I, I think that this game would be a hard game to just, like, play through all in a few sittings. Yeah. Like, it definitely strikes me as, like, you play a level for, like, 40 minutes, and then you're like, okay, I've had enough sort of slashing up button-mashing action. Right. Whereas the pacing in the first game was really surprisingly good in terms of like you're going to actually explore these levels and find the secret areas and so again solve fairly rudimentary puzzles but this is very much like hey you like to fight dudes like we're gonna throw more dudes at you and uh, again it must be said like you are soaking the streets red with blood as you are playing through this game. Like that's, it's, it's pretty visceral, you know? And, uh, I was kind of appreciating it for being so wildly over the top, but even I was kind of like, Holy shit. Like this is a lot of blood. Like, look at all this. It's just spraying everywhere. And, uh, so you need to kind of prepare yourself for that. I think you need to be in the mood for like this sort of game. If you're anything like me, you need to be in the mood. If you want some like, hyper-violent uh, goofery, but I think I'm kind of in the mood for this right now. Yeah. Like, it's it's fast-paced. It's pretty dumb and pretty simple, but uh, I'm enjoying everything that it has to offer. Like, there's no noticeable slowdown on the Wii U. Like, you worry sometimes with a very fast-paced game like this. Like, uh, and the Wii U honestly hasn't had too much trouble, like, chugging down with action. Like, we, it's easy to forget this is kind of on a par with PS3, or at least in the ballpark. Right? Okay. So it should be able to handle what a PS3 can handle. But I think I'm just used to, like, the Wii version being less than the I other think it's most version. consistently something we encounter in games that are multi-platform. Because yeah, like I the think the Transformers one springs to mind. Like the, the Disney Infinity Cybertron. was terrible. Disney like is real bad. Just in terms of they develop it for other consoles and then they hand it off to the B team and they're like, all right, fit this on Wii U. Yeah. Whereas this game, since it was developed for the Wii U specifically, I think runs pretty smoothly. Yeah, I think so. This is still like, I don't know. This is still it feels weird to play this kind of game on a gamepad because everything just feel on one of these Wii U gamepads because everything feels so spread apart. Your hands kind of get tired, weirdly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they do. But but I was satisfied with the level of challenge here. I was satisfied with the mechanics of it. Like, it, it felt like I wanted it to feel. It was just kind of a fast, dumb action game, and I was kind of... I'm, I'm kind of here for it. I don't know. Like, I, hardcore fans of this series, like may have some more specific quibbles about it, but it felt maybe like Ninja we, Gaiden to me. Maybe you get into those later, but like I, I imagine that this game just was sort of a victim of people feeling burned out on what it had to offer and a yeah. sense of this is a sense of like the company not really trying that hard. To, yeah. Even though that this game is fun, like it very much feels like Ninja Gaiden 2. Um all a lot of those animations just look kind of the same. Um, and there's no, there's nothing really new to point to that sort of would get you re-excited about the game. Yeah, and it doesn't feel like Tecmo's as excited about it either, whereas, like, with the Ninja Gaiden reboot, it's like, okay, this is our brand now, this is our new, like, kind of flagship title, this is the the thing we put above our masthead, uh, and, uh, that's not really what Ninja Gaiden 3 feels like. Ninja Gaiden 3 feels a bit more B-tier. Yeah, it feels like, oh, yeah, you like this, we'll put out another one. And I think, I mean, I think that that theory definitely holds water when you consider that the game they put out after this was, like, a real steamy pile. Yeah. Because, like, they're like, okay, we were kind of trying to shuffle this away anyway, so, like, if this extra game, next game catches on, but since it didn't, they're like, yeah, okay, great, we can be done with this. Maybe, like... There was just a bad taste left in everyone's mouth from Itagaki. Yeah. Like, he he seems like a generally contentious dude. He does. So. He does, for sure. You know, and I mean, there were rumors for a bit that there might be a movie in production. That seems to have uh, uh, gone away. There have been rumors of 
you know, him pop, uh, Ryu popping up as a character in Smash Brothers. That's no longer going to happen. Would have been fun. Like, or it's it, it like there's still kind of like rumors and whispers that something might be done to kind of revive this brand a bit because I think it's still a viable brand. But yeah, I maybe, mean, pe- even maybe though the nin- affection for ninjas as a thing just seems to kind of ride the yeah. wave. In, in, ninjas in, ebb and flow. Yeah, they, 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 as they should. I mean, that's what the philosophy is about. You're you're one one with the passage of time, and you don't push resistance against it. Exactly. Oh, that's um, the other thing to mention in this game this one has stealth mechanics for the first oh, yeah. time in the franchise which is a ninja staple ninjas are by definition stealthy uh but it felt a little perfunctory to me it's very it's not scripted we, they're yeah. like okay now you're in the stealth section like sneak up on this guy if you uh-huh. walk slowly enough you'll be invisible and then you need to walk up and just do an execution kill but like it's just more fun to hack and slash you know? Yeah, and you can usually just go in and hack and slash if you want to. Because so. I mean, what makes stealth games fun is the sense of like approaching something your own way and like solving a problem using all the tools at your arsenal. As opposed, what makes stealth games not fun is walking slow. Exactly, <laughs> like, exactly. Not the best. Not the best. Yeah, it, it is. I think that it's more a shame. Like. I don't have any particular attachment to this lore or even really Ryu Hayabusa as a character aside from him looking cool. Sure. Mostly I'm just sad that there's just doesn't seem to be an in ninja theme action game to fill this void right now. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of a shame because I like this style of gameplay and I think we're going to get to the Bayonetta games uh, on this show in a little bit, you know, and I think these those might kind of have subsumed the the cultural need yeah. for for this style of game sure like game, I, but devil may cry is kind of gone by the wayside too which is the other a, big and again yeah. but that's really more of a gameplay style and mm-hmm. i just i want specifically like ninja style swords and moves and yeah. just you know eastern asian fetishism and we had sekiro which i guess is kind of uh, yeah, uh, going to be it's a samurai uh, game. Yeah, and that that sort of scratches give, the edge. I should to give that game another chance. I, w- I was it's hard as hell. I know. Yeah. I was I was into it for a little bit, but I rented it from the library and didn't quite have the amount of like brain space to be like I'm in on this. And that's another one that just hasn't crossed over as much as your Elden Rings or your your right. Bloodborne's and things like that. So anyway, b- people come around on ninjas. All right, <laughs> we need them back now more than ever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's move on to our rankings then. Each week we are ranking the games that we have just played. Uh, I will go first on this one. I liked this game. Mm-hmm. I was surprised that I liked this game. I think it's fast, it's fun, it's goofy, uh, and it's got a lot of ninjas and a lot of blood. So mm-hmm. I am making this my new number 20, which puts it just below Just Dance and just above Minecraft Story Mode. So okay. Good company there. Yeah, good yeah. Company. Um, will you check something on that list for me real yeah. quick? Uh, where did I put Devil's Third? You put Devil's Third. Third, you put it pretty high. Yeah, that was thirty-six. Okay, for you. that's fine. Then all is well. I thought I had gone insane and put it higher than that. So no, um, no. But you, I, for comparison, it's seventy-five for me. Yeah. So. It, also, for comparison, it's not very good. It's not a very good but, game. Um, but, but yeah, it's the style I like, and this game is even more of the style I like. Um, and it's more competent. I would argue it's much more competent. <laughs> I won't. I won't fight you on that. Um, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. It, 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 it's violent. It's it's visceral it's satisfying um and it felt like more ninja gaiden and i'm excited to go play it because there's really i i guess this episode has allayed my fears that this is not this is a game i won't enjoy yeah yeah I, i i have now played enough of this to know that this is a game i probably will enjoy even if it's not up to par of the first two games absolutely um Oh, I wrote it here. I, I put it at number 19. Number 19. Which All is, right, we're pretty um, close. Right ahead of uh, Ari, Ari Revelation. Okay, also a good game. Yeah. Also one I liked. So that's a good spot to be in. Well, excellent. Uh, we do have one letter this week. Uh, this one says, Hi, Woody, Steve, and possible guests. Sorry, you missed us by a week. <laughs> uh, as the 64DD Patreon podcast winds down, how would you translate some of the game series that you've covered to take advantage of the Wii U's features? What does Contra mm. Wii U look like? How do you take advantage of uh, the gamepad for Metal Gear Solid U or U and his blob? <laughs> Big fan of the show, Martin Scorsese. So uh, we, we're getting wow. Ryan Johnson. We're getting, oh, sorry, Marty Scorsese. Okay. He likes to be called Marty. Well, no, it's by good. His it's nice to be on yeah. a first name basis there. It's good. Yeah, yeah, Marty. You're doing um, good work. You're doing well, good first work, off, 
I like the name yeah. you and his blob, by the way. That's really <laughs> clever. Uh, Wii U Contra, it just looks like Contra that you play on the gamepad. I do not want to have to be looking at the gamepad while I'm trying to play Contra. Yeah, Contra's like, very precision. Like, we had a problem with playing Contra 4, where there was, like, a quarter inch of plastic between the screens. <laughs> yeah. Like, if we put, like, several feet of, like, or craning our necks in that direction, yeah, we're, we're screwed. Um, also, on that note, it's sad that um, we didn't get Wii U Metroid. I think Wii U, Wii U Metroid, Metroid would have had some nice stuff I mean, on there. Like, even if it's just like having that map screen readily available at hand at all times, yep. like that's that's a big boon for Metroid. Uh, Metroid's uh, very map based. A quick a quick visor switch, anything like that. Oh, yeah. to, oh you could hold up the gamepad to the screen to have like your different visor. Yeah, because like, I think the pacing is right for that for that series to feel good, and it feels like it would be another one of. Samus's high-tech suit attachments. Yeah. Um, same deal with Metal Gear Solid. I think you could have done some neat stuff on there. Again, ha- having having the radar down there would have been maybe mixed, but at least the ability to move it from screen to screen. And honestly, like, just easy inventory management. Like, Metal Gear inventory is, a hassle. is a hassle. And you just know Kojima would have come up with some weird-ass stuff for that Wii U yeah. gamepad. He would have come up with some very weird ways to use that thing. I'd be, I'd be excited to see what you, that if you, like. It would be like if you step behind a soldier and then tap on the corner of the Wii U gamepad, you'll tap him on the wrong shoulder, come on. and then he'll look the wrong way, and then that, you go around him. That is perfect right there. That <laughs> is exactly the type of shit he would pull. Like, I think that'd be great. Or you can you know, blow like, softly into another soldier's ear. You could right. do a uh, Tony Hawk game where you just put the gamepad on the ground, step on it, Oh, then, perfect. Uh, just like get Tony Hawk ride, yeah. but you're just stepping on the gamepad. It can support your weight. Try or it. Or you at use home. it. You use it like a like a finger deck, oh, and you like yes. do kick flips with the gamepad. <laughs> Could you ever do those? Well, we so we were at the uh, the we gaming were, bar, oh, right. and yeah. then there was a the guy working there just had one of those tech decks, which I, I they must still sell. But like yeah, yeah. He, he was doing flips on it. He knew what was up. I saw him do like a three sixty shove it. I, I mean, I've talked no. about this on the Tony Hawk series, but, like, skateboarding seems like an alien craft to me. It seems yeah. like something that should not physically be possible. How do you get that board to stick to your feet? You're a wizard. Burn him. Okay. Tony Hawk, you're going to the fire. Sure. Um, yes, but uh, I, I don't know. Yeah. What were the other series that could have matched this pretty um, well? James like, Bond, I guess. A lot of these just come down to, like, some weird selection of gadgets. Yeah, and, maybe, and like, like, there could that, be some uh, some fun uh, additions to, like, a, a remake of uh, Simpsons Hit and Run or something like that, you know, where you can draw out routes or you could, uh, I, don't I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, at its core, like, I think that the Wii U gamepad when it basically functions well in three ways. It's good for maps, mm-hmm. it's good for inventory, and it's good for... Um, Asymmetrical mini games. Yes. Yeah, um, that's exactly and, right. Uh, and it's okay for um, playing disconnected from the TV. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but I can't ima- I can't think of a ton of other uses that we've seen that don't fall into one of those categories where we're like, yeah, Wii U gamepad. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's. I agree. I agree. But that is a good question, Marty. Thank you so much for sending that. If you have any questions, Keep making send movies, it to, uh, Marty. We yeah. appreciate it. But maybe. Uh, Maybe don't make them so long next time. Yeah, come on, come on. We got places to be here, <laughs> Marty. Come on, I'm not gonna Irishman. Come on, come on. Let's knock it off. This is my <laughs> my advice to. No, I mean that's fair. Martin I mean, speaking Scorsese. of movies with, you know, cultural tales, like that movie was like a big deal for like a week. Yeah, <laughs> and now I think I don't know. That, I think that's kind of an embarrassing movie. No, not no, it, it, not embarrassing. It's just like. It's a movie of a sense of like the energy turned on it so fast because like I feel like it came out and people like this movie's a masterpiece and now when you think about it they're like did he really make like a four hour movie on Netflix yeah like and it's like now I look back on it and I'm like why was that four hours yeah like I don't remember I guess it's to its credit that I don't remember all four hours (laughs) of it sure anyway. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. You can send your emails to ultra64podcast at gmail.com if you have any questions for us on the show. Uh, And uh, the next time we record, I am going to be in an entirely different state, and I'm sad about that. I I have a lot of fun recording in person. Well, thank you. It's been, you know, it's been, what, six years years. at least? Should we share an on-air handshake? Absolutely. Let's do it. Here we go. Here it is. Momentous. Did you hear that, folks? It happened. The quality fully work of Steve and I shaking hands far away from the microphones. It happened. But, it happened. Yeah. It was good. But okay. uh, but yeah, we will go- we will see you next time when uh, we're going to be recording remotely to talk about 
Xenoblade Chronicles X, Ooh, a game. Goodness me! I think we are both still confused about, uh, <laughs> yeah. and we're we're gonna figure. Hopefully, out. after we're talking about it for an hour, we'll have figured out what the hell it's going on. Exactly. Yeah, we're not. I guess the confusion stems from we don't know if this is a remake of Xenoblade Chronicles or if it's own if it's its own thing. So we're gonna figure that out for you guys. Or if it's a I sequel, have, if it takes place in a different world. I have a very like cool, elaborate, special boxed edition of this thing that uh, I'm, I'm excited to dig into. It's good. So. If when you when you get to your apartment in Texas and there's nothing to do because your internet's not set up and it's a million degrees, mm-hmm. you can be like, well, this is the perfect time to play this 100-hour RPG. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I'll have nothing better to do at that time. <laughs> but I'm excited. So we will see you next week for some Xenoblade Chronicles. Uh, I'm going to sheath this sword for now. Ow, my thumb. <laughs> Get a sheath, Steve. Don't just put it down your pants. Damn it. <laughs> That attacks like a tiger The stars represent the light Because I eject Jack the Rider Dawn, form the shot of form in the wigs Ninja stars giving brains home an instinct And bliss through your link with the gods of this shit It's born born, the double now echoing So fuck it if you rich A struggle for coins, a lost finger Never a voice, 108 pressure points Yo, yo, guns flatter, bone shatter Erase your life data, the crowd scatter Good you're saying, what's the matter? Bob Dizzy, notice how when your city Fast in the W, that represents the